Music, industry talk, stories, equipment and more. We are Crossfader and this is off 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 off, off the record. Off the record. Off the record. Welcome back to the DJ podcast off the record with myself, Jamie Hart- Hartley. Now we've got some of our regular hosts with us today. Lawrence James is back this week. Yeah, back in the building. Hello. That's it. Yeah, we were away in Amsterdam the, the last few podcasts and then Loz was away on holiday. holiday. Lawrence was away on holiday. and Open up my time. There we go. So he's back now, which is yep. great. Nice to have you back. And we've got Danny James here as well. Hey. Yo, and we've actually got a very special guest in the studio today. We've got someone by the name of Dave Chan. Now, up until this point, before I let him talk, I just want to give a bit of a backstory. Up until this point on the podcast, we've had other DJs. We've had people from YouTube like Mojax and DJ TLM, but they've all been DJ related. And the aim of this podcast is obviously to provide as much value and insight and help to those new DJs as well that are listening to basically grow your career and, and, and take it further. So... Dave Chan is actually a promoter from our hometown here in Leeds in the UK. And we've had Dave Chan um, come and do a talk at a live workshop event that we did last year in the city centre. And he gave an amazing talk, really valuable, valuable stuff to a lot of beginner DJs that were coming through. And I got to ask him loads of questions. And we're going to ask lots of similar questions today to that talk. But then obviously, all of you around the world can listen in on this and get some really good feedback and advice. If you're a DJ out there, that really wants to take your career to the next level. They want to get their first foot in the door, whether it's a student gig or even, you know, a, a guest spot or anything. This guy's got a lot of advice to give and a lot of insight because he's been working in the industry for a very long time now. I'm not going to tell his story. I'm going to let Dave take it away here and just give us a bit of a insight as can, to can who you are. Can we introduce okay. the real special guest? Oh yeah. yeah. I thought watching. you were coming. When you said you got a special guest yeah. in the studio, I thought you were going to say Alfie the Come dog. On. But yeah, okay. It's nice to be here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Al, Alfie the dog. If you're, if you're watching on YouTube, yep. I'm sure the comments are already popping off yeah. how cute this dog is. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's just sat on his knee. Too yeah. cute. Um, yeah, Dave. So if you want to just give the listener a bit of an insight onto yep. you know who you are, how you got into the events industry and yep. being a promoter in particular. Uh-huh. Uh, so I started in 2001, um, actually. So I started at Leeds Beckett as a student and I had no real idea what a promoter was, if I'm honest, and went to a night at what was called a club called Creation at the time and really big club night, didn't really understand how the promoter venue relationship worked. So just turned up to this ginormous queue and someone who I knew from back home who was working for the company came out and whisked me into the, into, into the club and I was like, oh, okay, I'm interested in this. And then uh, went from there, uh, just sort of said to them, look, I'm, I'm really interested in getting involved. I'll work for free. Could I, could I work with you? So started working front of house at that venue. Um, that person who I was working front of house with left after a couple of months. So I took her job. Then the guy who was like the city manager, I suppose you would call it, left to set his own company up in January. So before I kind of knew it, I was heading up a, a promotions company, uh, running a pretty sizable club night at the time. Wow. And um it just kind of went from there and I, I'd always wanted to go into corporate marketing and then realised that that was really difficult to get into and just didn't quite get where I wanted to be and then did a placement with that company that I was working for, really enjoyed it and then um, my business partner now who I've been with for 13 years, uh, he said, do you want to work together, set up and said yeah and here we are today. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, did you do anything 
did you take anything at university that you would say is relevant to what you're doing now or was it just by chance that you fell in love with the the scene and the city and and yeah I always say that I think my degree put me in the position that to be able to get into promoting i.e I was doing a degree at Leeds Beckett and was in halls of residence to start with and got introduced to a few people but There was nothing specific, I would say, in there. There was the accounting and finance, I suppose you could probably say, because I still have to look after bits and bats of that. But yep. in general, most of it was learned on the job. Um, yep. And I, would, I wouldn't say there was a specific qualification or anything within the degree that gave me the, the... And just to clarify to the listeners as well, you didn't want to become a DJ to start with, did you? You straight up just wanted to get in there and start yeah. running, no, running I'm, nights. I'm, yeah, and... I'm, 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 I don't like to be <laughs> centre of attention, so that wasn't really my thing. I, I, I prefer to to watch from afar and, and yep. you know, my, my thing's more rather than actually entertaining is getting the people in the position where yep. they can be entertained. So I think that's kind of my, that more my sort of enjoyment factor. Nice. So the company that you run now and you have done for the last 13 years, did you yep. just say, what would you say that company specialises in? What is its forte? You know, what kind of events are you guys running? So we are, we're predominantly um, a, a student promoter, I would say. So if someone asks what your target audience, I'd say probably 18 to 25. Yep. Unfortunately, it's a bit of a reflection of the, t- the the market really at the moment that clubbing now kind of once you get over a certain age seems to sort of fall out of fashion quite quickly. So mm-hmm. whereas before we were going to nightclubs till we were sort of late 20s, early 30s, maybe yeah. you would say, I think now yeah. kind of you get to a point where 20, 21, 22 people are sort of starting to say, oh, I want to yeah. go to specialist events. I want to yeah. go to various other things. So I would say um, our, our, our audience is, is kind of young person, youth based, yeah. um, partly because of that's what, the audience is that with us yep, kind yep. of our audience that it has to be. Yep. Uh, when we first started, we were predominantly polytechnic, I would say. So that's basically metropolitan. So Leeds, Leeds, Met, Leeds Beckett was our main audience, but we quickly realised that if you kind of um, your your niche or, or your audience is too narrow, that that then me- makes it a lot harder. So we now aim pretty much at anybody within our target demographic, yep. and yep. not just from Leeds. We we advertise. In our, obviously, we have other cities, but. In our cities, we look to advertise sort of in the surrounding areas, the satellite towns or, or the counties, etc., that people might travel in from. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we are. That's that's our our, our, our audience. If you yep. call it that. Yeah. Now, obviously, this podcast is is aimed at trying to help DJs out. Now, just this is a, you know a rough question here, but could you rack your brain for a minute? Could you maybe put a number on roughly? How many DJs you think you have booked wow. in your entire career? <laughs> I know this is a very hard question, so, but fortunately, one of the things we have on our freshers uh, a training manual, if you want to call that, is a sheet that has all of the DJs we've booked over a period of time on it oh, to try right. and sort of nice. impress on them what we've done. Yep. Unfortunately, I can't visualise. <laughs> so, but I would say, I mean, I mean, at a sort of resident level, we must have booked maybe 150 yep. uh, fre- frequent DJs over a period of time. Um, in terms of actual headliners, probably similar to that, maybe 100 headliners. Like, I, I couldn't give you an exact figure because I don't yeah, know no. it. Yeah, yeah. I have a memory like a sieve, unfortunately. And, if, <laughs> and uh, if they're good ones, they tend to stick with you. They do, yeah. I mean, yeah. We, 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 in terms of the venues we work with and the DJs we work with as well, you know, sometimes you need to make a change and you need to freshen yep. things freshen up. Things but up. In the same respect, if somebody's prepared to change with the times, change yeah. their musical taste and work with you, then, you know, there's some DJs we work with for the full 12, 13 years. So, yeah. you know, it, it really depends on, on, on the person and the relationship you have with them. Yeah. yeah. Does that tend to change then when, like you say, things go in and out of fashion? Like, is there certain things that you look for, like, depending on what's popular at the minute? Or is it like more like a well-rounded DJ that 
can cover a lot of things. A bit, bo- a bit of both, yeah. I would say. I right. think th- this would be one of my key points. I think if you've got to be flexible. Now, I, I have a, I, I listened to a podcast actually the other day with um, Christopher DJ who plays yeah. on a lot of oh, yeah. printers lineups. Mm-hmm. And he said that he was absolutely adamant that he needed to stick to his guns um, mm-hmm. and play a, a real clear policy of what he was about. And, yeah. and that was his that was his motivation. He wanted to play that sort of music. So that's what he was going to do. Mm. And that was the first time I've actually thought, actually, no, fair point, because it's, it's a bold attitude because to get into the position where you can do that, Yes. is actually quite difficult. Yeah. You've got to um, get yourself into the promoter's eyes, eye line. You've got to be able to get the gigs to be able to then put yourself into that yeah. sort yeah. of, you know, uh, that position. But I would, I actually think kind of being able to be um, flexible in terms versatile. of what you play. But yeah, yeah. Versatile is a, is a key, key word, I think, yeah. in, in all of this, that you need to be able to play the right stuff, not just for what the promoter wants to hear, but your audience. The, the bottom yeah. line is, that every, you know, a promoter or a DJ will tell you that they know best, yeah. but actually they don't. And, you know, the, the audience will tell you what they like best because mm. they will vote with their feet. So Absolutely, if they like the music yeah. policy, your room will stay rammed. Yeah. If they don't like the music policy, they will go elsewhere or they won't come back. Yeah. Uh, but either of those things is obviously really, really bad for you, both you and the promoter. I, I just want to repeat that because I think that's yeah. such a valuable takeaway for people listening that the audience will tell you, dictate, yeah, dictate what they want mm. by their feet and if they're dancing then you are doing a good job yep. yeah and if you know you're struggling to get that dance floor going then you might need to just take a shift in direction yeah. Yeah. try something new just test out that dance floor and test out the music that you're playing because and some crowds want something and some crowds want another yeah, and it's a good point about you know being versatile as a dj because it doesn't matter if you're like you say with christoph going in one direction of, of policy and what he wants to do if you still bank that catalogue of knowing how to read a crowd, being versatile, having a good collection of music, you can always have it to fall back on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and yeah. I think that's the thing. It's a very, it's a, you know, again, you have to be in the position to be able Absolutely, to be able to read yeah. this because mm. if you're not playing to an audience and, and, and a lot of the time, the first gigs that you get, very few people will, launched their DJ career with a gig where it's absolutely rammed full. Yeah. yeah. But again, one of the really, really key things um, that I, I think is dead important is that you treat an audience of 10 people exactly the same as you treat yeah. an audience of a thousand people. Yeah, and yeah. Definitely. We brought in a new policy maybe a few years ago now, and it was not to, to it was basically to outlaw the word warm up because of what it represented. Mm. Now, right. what I don't mean by this is that you go in and play smashes ahead of a headline DJ and yeah. ruin his set. What right. I mean is that you treat your first track at 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, whatever okay. time you play, play your first track at, mm. you treat that in exactly the same way as if you start at 1am. 1, 1 1 so yep. too many DJs I'd seen for years and years and years would arrive roughly on time. Then they would put a mix put CD a mix on. on. Yeah. yeah they would be that. still chatting to you. And don't get me wrong. You've got to, you've got to engage with the promoter. You've got to chat yeah. to the crowd, whatever it be, but you've got to do that from pre doors. If you want to say that, because yeah. essentially subliminally and obviously yeah. what you're saying to the customer, if they turn up and there's no DJ there. Yeah. If, if, if you're walking in DJs on his phone, yeah. And there's a hundred people. Totally. Well, why should you have made the efforts to exactly, turn up early? Yeah. What, mm. what you're trying to encourage is your customers, your client base, etc., to go, I'm going to get there, bang on doors or as near as I dare, because I'm going to have a good experience from the first mm. minute I get in. If you get in there and there's some background music on, no one's really doing anything. Yeah. There's no performers. There's no entertainers. There's no DJ there. Mm. You're like, well, I'll come at 12 o'clock next week. Yeah. Yeah. But this, this, this leads on to be having a good dialogue between promoter and DJ because it's very easy to fall into habits like that. And, yeah. you know, when there's no one there, especially if, you know, if you're doing a week in week gig and, you know, there's a couple of people there and you've got a mix on. If, if you're just doing that and no one's telling you what you're doing, yeah. you can easily fall into them bad habits where if you've got a good promoter on the ball, it's like, look, I get it, but, you know, can we treat yeah. it like you just said? Mm. Then you build a good rapport and it, um, it's all about communication. It, it's, end, it's, it? That's so, so yeah. important. Yeah, and, and, and yeah, to, 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 to come back onto that word, communication yeah. with the, well, the, 
all elements of the people yeah. you, mm. that you that you engage with, and also as well with the people that you play the records to, because yeah, yeah. they are important. So if someone criticizes a DJ, then you know there, there's there's no smoke without fire. Now don't get me yeah. wrong, when people have had a few beers, they a, engage with people and they talk totally differently. But yeah. you've got to take it. Sometimes you've got to take whether it be constructive criticism or just outright nonsense criticism, but you've yes. got to listen to it. Yeah, and sure. if you are entertaining your audience, I, I, the, the way I, I sum it a lot of the time is if people are putting their hands in the air, especially dance music, R&B yep. urban stuff is probably slightly different. Yep. But if you're playing dance music and people are putting their hands in the air on the drops and you're mm. engaging with them, they are having a good time. That is, Absolutely. For me, yeah, definitely, yeah. fist bumping as I call it, is a, yeah, is a, yeah, is a, yeah, is a sure. surefire sign of, of someone having a good time. Absolutely. Whereas if everyone stood there flat, sort of facing away from the DJ and yeah. just chatting, having sipping a chat. out a beer, you, you know that you need to either step it up, change direction or do yeah. something slightly different. How, how often would you talk with DJs after the event or even set up meetings? Would it be on a monthly basis? Would it be on waiting until maybe something is going awry that you then set up a meeting like it, how active are you in that role as a promoter and the communication from that way around as, with the dj pretty, pretty active if i'm honest i mean it, it depends on on who the dj is and the, and the gig etc so mm. some of the guys who are we're, yeah, we're more than happy with we just we we, we 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 chat about it as we're there how's it going everything else everything's good if it's a new day, DJ, I'll be a lot more vocal because yep. not because I'm telling them what tracks to play. It's more about the feel and yes. what they need to do, their engagement, if there's any sort of stage stuff that goes on. Yeah. Um, some of the nights are more production-based. Therefore, you have to do a lot of stuff like we do on a, yep. on a Saturday. Yeah. We, there's a lot of um, to and fro and communications, mm. not just pre the night in terms of the planning and how it's executed, but also during the night to say, right, this track we're going to do yeah. Yeah. confetti blast, we're going to do whatever it be. So... I feel it's really important. Now, don't get me wrong. We don't. I don't speak to all the DJs um, every week, all the time. But yeah. our, our, one of our events on a on a Monday, we had a new DJ in there. It's one of our super important gigs. It's a fifty-two week gig and, and trades really well. Mm-hmm. And he was coming down from Newcastle, so we would speak, you know, a few words before the gig. Yeah. When he gets there, we would have five minutes as a confab. What's going on tonight? How's it going to be? Any yeah. any comments? And then afterwards, he'd either ring me on the way home, or we'd catch up. And then yeah. once yeah. we got to a point where we were happy. Mm-hmm. then it's just a case of maintaining the so communication. Building that relationship. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And once you've got that degree of trust with someone, you mm. don't you don't need to. And it's not that you're undermining them by speaking to them. You're just keeping a constant improvement absolutely. in your relationship yeah. and, and the way they perform. I think this can work the other way around as well. So if you're listening as well and you're maybe new to the DJ industry, not all promoters are going to be as experienced as Dave is here. So right. You're going to be working for promoters that are new to the industry as well. So if you're listening and you think, I'm not quite happy with how a night's going or I don't feel comfortable in what I'm doing at that night, but you feel like there's no direction either, then obviously reach out and don't be afraid to start the conversation yourself with the yeah. promoters. It can go both this ways. Happened, this actually happened to me at the weekend. I was playing at uh, an event and... The promoter wanted mainly like house music and all the requests I was getting was all from girls asking for some R&B and things like that. So I just called him up, had a word with him. He went, you know what, slam some R&B on for 20 minutes and lo and behold, the dance floor was popping and yeah, that's yeah. the way of doing it as opposed to just mm. going out of your way of doing it, yeah. having that Because then he'd be like, yeah. well, I asked for something and you're yeah, going against you're not, my wishes, yeah. even though he could probably see that the yeah. dance floor then would pick up. It, yeah. It's just that lack of communication. Yeah, yeah. Or, or maybe he to... has a different vision for the night and something yeah, else yeah, is happening. Yeah. So yeah, the, yeah, that communication is absolutely key. I, think, I don't think, well, I can't speak for everybody, but I yeah. don't think there's many promoters who, if the DJ at the right point, now don't get me wrong, if you turn up late yes. and there's a massive queue outside and they're stressing, that's not the right time. But right. Mm. If if you've got a new gig or you're just not sure about an existing gig or anything like yeah. that, feedback and actually asking questions. I always say to people, there is nothing wrong with asking a question. No matter how daft it might sound at the time, I would much rather you asked it 
than Not left no. it. And yeah. then afterwards we're like, oh, I did think that might be a bit yeah. off or that might mm. be a bit wrong, but I didn't want to ask. Yeah. Because if you don't ask, you'll never know. And yeah. if you don't know, then you will never improve things. And mm-hmm. I just don't think you should ever leave anything to chance. It's a difficult enough task, and you know, performing to entertaining all these people. Yeah. Uh, but in the same respect for the promoter, the stress it's, it's a stressful job. The lead up to it, you guys turn up and you know that you're going to be playing records no matter what. Yeah. Whereas we know that we don't know how many people are going to turn up, yeah. how it's going to operate, how the actual event is going to run. So there's a lot of things on a promoter's mind, but ahead of ahead of time or whenever you think the right time is, or even in the middle of the night, yeah. you know, a text just saying, I'll oh, pop up and have a look. It yeah. Just see if you think everything's you okay. Think? That, that I wouldn't say it means the world, but it, 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 it actually counts for something. And I yeah. think that, that plays into this DJ promoter relationship. And then off the back of that, if you have a good relationship with your DJs and you trust them, and mm. you also as well, have a two-way conversation with yeah. them about like that sort of that sort you of feel. You give them more artistic license to go yeah, and be more creative, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Which is like what we all yeah. Yeah, yeah. want as DJs, really, yeah. isn't it? Really? And, and yeah. in the end, that works better for everybody yeah. because it means that you'd, you're you're not stood downstairs as the promoter watching the door, thinking, "Bloody, hell, I don't know yeah. if he's playing the right music," right. and you're not stood there going, "Shit, I don't know if the promoter actually thinks I'm playing the right stuff." So yeah. Yeah. It, it makes it a much more pleasurable experience, and you guys can relax better, mm. and the promoter can relax more as well. I think it works both ways. Yeah. Cool. So, kind of going back to like when you're saying about building relationships and stuff, like, do you have like an approach when it comes to finding new DJs? You know, like, cause obviously I remember when I first started working with you guys, I would, I got a message from Dan, who's yep. someone else in the video team. And that's how I got approached to start working with you guys. But is it, you know, that was the start of my relationship with you, but is it, is it different all the time? Like, do you wait for people to, reach yeah. out to you or this is, this is the million dollar question I suppose it's, it's yeah. chicken how and egg to, because, how to yeah. get a gig how do, you, well, how, yeah. how do you approach the promoter when you haven't got an in uh, yeah. and if you haven't got the gigs how do you then say well you should be employing me because I'm capable of mm-hmm. X so <laughs> I, I can't give you the, the exact answer but what tends to happen in an ideal scenario you already have a gig which you performed at then off the back of that you build a relationship with somebody who can then do like what Dan did yeah. and, and drop you a message and you build from reputation. I think there's nothing better than word of mouth. I don't think uh, th- yeah. there's a lot said these, in this day and age about social media, and obviously that does count. Mm-hmm. But your social media doesn't play the records, and yeah. if right. you're, you can have the best DJ going, but if they can't perform, the their shelf life will be really small, regardless yeah. of their their social well, media this, platform. This, this leads on to one of my questions. Like me and me and you go way back. Yeah. Um, so when we first started, yeah, we go out, we socialize, you get to know people, and you build that trust. Yeah. With social media now, you know, there's a lot of DJs that can put on their, you know, DJ sets or live routines. Would you ever kind of just see maybe a DJ video or some kind of routine of a DJ and maybe give them an in just from a social video? Or would it have to be a little bit more than that? I, th- I think it'd have to be a little bit more than that. Now, now don't get me wrong. It, it, again, it's it's it, there's no single thing that will, yes. and it's the same principle as what we talk about with marketing events to, 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 to your crowd not one single thing will make you go to an event. So you won't see a flyer and go, I'm going to go to that. You won't see a poster on a wall and think I'm going to go to that unless it's a a really big headline. But if we're talking about consistency in weekly club nights, there's certain um, reinforcing factors. So, lots of things, but the, the ultimate one is word of mouth yeah. and, and, and trusting that person that's told you. Mm. So whether it be your flatmate or your housemate, and in the same principle with DJs, if one of my mates who is a promoter in Cardiff puts on somebody right. and then they ring me up and be like, you have to get this guy in. Right. Yeah. He's awesome. He's this, he's that and the other. The, the likelihood is I'll we'll book him and there's quite a lot mm. of promoters and, in the country. And if do they that. do have a strong social, you can go, uh, right, okay. That's the first thing I'm, you'll do. Yeah, yeah, right, we, will, yeah, yeah, this guy's good, right? Let me have a look. Yeah. He's got, right, he's got a great mixed cloud. He's got a, yeah. a couple of videos out there. Yeah, and I think the things go hand in hand. Solid, yeah. 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 It's like a package, isn't it? Yeah. And it is. I think we spoke about it with Joe LaBelle, on, who was a guest on the podcast last week, and he some of his first ins were the fact that he was playing 
parties in his student halls right. and his friends all got behind him and, and they were ending up going to nights and, and basically promoting for him and saying this we've got this DJ he's great and because the promoter has seen a lot of people come to the club saying we yep. want to hear this DJ yep. suddenly he starts getting booked because the promoter's listening to the audience they've got in their club yep. and it's a similar thing I suppose that word of mouth is so so strong mm. um, but yep. then it goes back to the marketing is like to build an audience you need to put something out there to the world to say this is who I am this is right. how good I am follow me and you know you build your sort of circle and your network off the back of that as well it's, so, it's so, so I think that, even yeah. if a promoter doesn't physically go and look at a social media account you know there's yep. other people that will contribute to that you know by following you as as individuals who like music and who like de- listening yeah. to DJs and so. I think engaging with them at, at a certain level as well I've watched various DJs sort of come through the ranks if you want to call it that yep. but Darius Sarossian is, is someone I watched do this really really well and he was playing at parties that my brother was running called Technical uh, at mm. Mint Club iconic parties really really good parties and he was in as a sort of a semi-resident to start with and you know, played really good tunes, was a good performer, but then afterwards would engage with all the guys who'd come down. So if people were like, oh, mate, that was so good, if they tweeted him, if they engaged with him on social media, he yeah. would then straight away come back to them. He would go to parties. He would yeah. he created this buzz around him. Around himself. And, and, yeah, and, and what it meant is that as his, his profile grew, grew and grew, people started following him around. So if mm. he played at the, the Warehouse Project or Sankey's or somewhere like that, yeah. then he would take an audience. Then the promoters yeah. take notice because they're like, hold on a minute, this he's guy bringing people. is bringing people. Yeah. And that, mm. that is the ultimate you know, goal for a DJ. They need to bring people. Yeah. Um, now, don't get me wrong, some of our residents, they're not there to drive admissions. They're there to uh, perform and provide a service. quality service. Yeah. yeah. But in the same respect, if you as an up-and-coming DJ suddenly have a network of friends and even if it be 30 people or 40 say, people yeah, yeah. and you play a warm-up set and that means that the warm-up set was busier than it would have been otherwise right. and then your and momentum, in. it grows, it does, that's yeah. absolutely that and then your performances and your behaviour and everything like that become important and key. I think getting yourself in that, um, the eye line of people, I think that's a really important thing and then once you're in people's eye line, it's seizing your opportunity and I think mm. that is, is super key as well. Yeah. Have, yep. Have you ever booked someone off them just messaging you on Facebook or like sending you a mix? I don't think so, if I'm honest. No, they're on your radar yeah. and I'm not saying you have to say something crazy or outlandish or whatever, or you have to be a, pretend like you're a rock star. But yeah. when you, you know, when you show some degree of understanding where you say, listen, this is my preferred music style, but I'm also competent playing this, this and this. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm competent on a mic. Um, I'm versatile. Yeah. I'm this, I'm that. That is your first, if we want to call it your first in. Mm. But if I'm honest, probably that is, it would take another yeah. something to happen. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, to get I to think that point. it'd be more, a little bit more accessible if a DJ messages another DJ and says, look, can I just come and maybe you know, shadow you, watch you for an hour or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that. Get in there, learn the ropes. Build and then, that network. And then you can build a bit of a more relaxed relationship with a promoter as opposed to asking somebody you don't know for something. Yeah. Initially, yeah, a cold, um, a cold call is the same as anything. It sort of brings bit, you yeah. up and, and, and tries to sell you something, which is your services in this example. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're very unlikely to, you know, especially if they're trusting you with 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 their business, you know, essentially their mm-hmm. livelihood. Um, to get a gig straight away like that would be really difficult. But as I'm pretty certain that Dan Dan's contact with you way yeah. back when will have come because somebody said, "Listen, you need to you need to speak right. to this Danny James mm-hmm. guy. He's, he's he's really good." And that to- holds a totally different way. Now, again, to get yourself into a position where you can get a DJ to give you that foot up yeah. Yeah. Is, is, is the million dollar question. And, I, you know, I go back to when I first started, I, I got my foot in the door by saying, can I just come down and, 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 and be there? I don't want paying for it. I just want to be mm. involved. Now, I'm not saying that you should then just, you know, haul your services and be like, yeah, I'll, I'll come down and I'll do whatever. Yeah. And I'll do it for months and months and months because that's how people then get kind of taken for granted. Um, but in the same respect, I've had it quite a few times where people will come to you 
and in their opening email will say, right, I want this, I want that. One guy even put his rider in it, and right. he, was a, he was a 21-year-old kid from Hull, I think, and I was like, come on, mate. Like, wait, wait, wait at least six months before you're asking for a bottle of tequila in there and everything else. Like, but, um, Have you ever replied to these people, or do you just ignore it? It depends, depends. on the tone. If someone is polite and they're nice, I yeah. will always come back and say, listen, we're really lucky at the minute. We have a really good stable of DJs. I don't think that we have anything for you at this point, but yep. please yep. do stay mm-hmm. in touch, yeah. and please do, you know, if you, if you come to the night, say, hello and introduce yourself yep. and yep. again that's not a, a guarantee of work right. it's not this any that and the other but in this world in anything you get knockbacks you get told no you get told yeah. we still we still do to this day and age you yeah, go pick sure. the contracts and you get told no but you don't take that as a as a be all and end all you yep. go right yeah. okay I'll, on to the next and mm-hmm. i think that applies certainly to, to djs and, and anybody really in this sort of industry so if so so you get yourself in the door and we've come across hundreds of djs in our time and they're still a good handful of DJs that are still, you know, getting good residencies and got good relationships and things. So what is it once you're in the door, what are the kind of characteristics you need on a week to week basis to keep in the industry yeah. and keep getting the gigs from the same promoters and, and things like that? And to not have another young, fresh DJ suddenly come and come take, and your, yeah. take yeah. over your, yeah, yeah, yeah. your gig. I, so it, I guess we, we, we came across that point before about being flexible yeah. and versatile. That's really important. Some of the boring things are being reliable, being polite, manners cost nothing on time. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> um, not being demanding um, and and being fun. I think yeah. a, mm. a really big thing, and, and this goes down again back to the sort of relationship uh, and communication stuff. If you get on with somebody really, really well, you are much less likely to go. Do you know what? I've had enough of them. They're not. Right. They played a couple of the wrong tracks. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna kick them out. Yeah, you would yeah, never yeah. do that to someone you had a good relationship yeah. with. Yeah. That said, if you think that someone is difficult, they are arrogant. They are whatever you want to say. Hard to work with yeah. at the end of the yeah, day. Yeah, totally. You know, it's it's a it's a it's a difficult industry anyway. And don't get me wrong. I, you know, there, there's plenty of ego flying around, and egos exist, and that's cool. But I think again, as a really um, key point to, to to aspiring DJs at any level. Just be humble and be yeah. nice mm. and treat and, people you know, as you wish to be treated. So, it's so saturated as well. So there is yeah. somebody ready ready yeah. to go and take your position because yeah, yeah. everybody wants to be, you know, a DJ on a front man or something like that. So, yeah. you know, you have to be kind of vigilant at all times and, yeah. and carry yeah, totally. yourself. And, and, and that's not to say in, in, in certain situations that you shouldn't value yourself and you shouldn't oh, know yeah. your own mm. worth. Like Absolutely. 100%. If you are doing the job and you're doing the business and someone challenges you, you are more than entitled to stick up for yourself. You should yep. never be scared of challenging a promoter or whatever, because ultimately if they're wrong, then they, you should you should be prepared to say, mm-hmm. but right. there's ways and means of doing it. So rather than waiting till the promoter comes to you and says, oh, you were really off last week and you played a lot of the wrong tunes, you'd be like, oh, well, yeah, you know, I just can't, I don't like the gig anymore. Yeah. I don't like this, don't like that. If you bring it to the promoter at the time and say, listen, I feel like there's, there's the, the energy in the gig isn't there. Mm-hmm. We need to change things. Please kind of try this. Like you said with the promoter that you'd spoken to where right. you, you felt like the requests were coming in yep. and it was more relevant to a different policy you wanted to play. Yep. If, the, if the promoter says no, stick to it, you've tried and Fair you've done enough. what you yeah, can. Yeah. But if you do it and you change it like you did there yep. and then it changes the dynamic of the night, the promoter immediately is like, oh, remember that time where mm-hmm. it wasn't going that well, the policy wasn't yep. quite right. And you do, you, you, you build a relationship. And, so, And as well as if you're, if you're just a DJ and you've never done, a lot of DJs do, 
do their own events as well. Um, but if, you, if you've never seen the event side of it and you're turning up and playing the music, you've not seen the interaction with the promoter and the customer as well. Mm. So you might be going out and selling one-to-one a customer a certain type of music policy or something like that that you don't see, yeah. which is why, again, c- communication is the key, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, th- that's happened with nights that I've played at before where I've been a resident for a long time, but then naturally as trends shift, nights end up changing if they want that night to continue being successful they maybe have to change the music policy slightly and there's got to be so much transparency there um but from both ends sometimes as djs we see nights starting to fail or starting to you know not be the same as they were and i think rather than you just thinking oh it's not my place you know go and talk to the promoter as well and be like look you know i've been here week in week out and the music that we have been playing is starting to not work and it needs to change especially with these new trends coming in the promoter will obviously be thankful for that and don't be scared of going to a promoter with Mm -hmm. that um it's very valuable you you guys are the front line i I don't have the time or the inclination really to 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 to, to listen to the 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 newest hits the newest sounds etc So you know we have this relationship with with Danny on on our, with his Saturday residency where with the style probably did change a little bit to maybe two years ago. Yeah, yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. So yeah. It was Let's just paint the picture quickly. So Danny James uh, works with Dave on yep. their Saturday yep. night gig here in Leeds, and we've actually got a live mix from that which will be online already which we can link from this video or if 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 you're not watching the video and listening um if you go into youtube and just type in project leads for example i'm sure Mm -hmm. it'll come up in the search terms i'll just go onto our youtube channel but yeah i've yeah like that gig for example you know i've been there for quite a few years now and there's not been one night that i haven't enjoyed you know i've got a really good relationship with you guys you you guys are very like open and transparent about what you want out of the night and I feel like we all have like a similar vision with how yeah. we know that it needs to run. So we make it work yeah. and you know, it's, it's really enjoyable music. And like you said, it has changed over the years, but did not start off more kind of EDM. It did. Yeah. But then like, because we've got that good relationship where we can all talk about music and how, where we think it's going, yeah. the nights managed to go from strength to strength really. And yeah. it like still Kept really good to this day. Yeah. How, how did that music policy change come about was it something you both brought up was it something that was it a particular year where you thought we now need a big change or mm. how did that come about i feel it was just like the trend in yeah what you see it like you know when you get like your spotify dance playlist and things like that yeah you know they're, they're a good thing to keep an eye on because you see what these really big nights in places like ibiza that'll come in year in year out and they'll be you know They'll change the sound slightly, yeah, I think. And, and, and big moments, like even like a song, like like a Fisher losing it. Exactly, yeah. Changes, He's a really good example. Yeah, of Fisher changes you know. the whole yeah. landscape of yeah. all night, doesn't it? Really. But in all of that, I can't really take any credit for that right. because I, <laughs> I, I, and this is where the trust thing comes in. That yeah. it, Dan, who was the original guy who approached Dan, he is very up on his music, so we'll research mm. the bookings and DJs and sounds, etc. So he. Yeah. He comes to me, he's, you know, he's had the conversations with Danny and says, listen, I think we need to have a slight change in direction. And that's where ultimately it's on my head because if mm-hmm. it all goes wrong, it is then, you know, you've got to try and call it back. But that's where the trust factor comes in. And I trust Dan as a partner who I work with. Yep. Um, and I also trust Danny as a, as a partner in a, in a different way, shape yeah, or form. But sure. the, the whole thing only works if you have that there. Because if I'd said at that point there, oh, I don't know, let's play it for another year, mm-hmm. we might not have had the success we've had. And in yeah. the same respect, if I force a music policy on you guys to, that you don't want to play, yeah. it yeah. then means that you end up playing records that you're not that happy with. Mm-hmm. And obviously you've got to perform and you've got to do what you need to do, but it's not it doesn't it's not well oiled then and, and mm-hmm. that's when yeah. you end up with cracks appearing. And don't get me wrong, it does happen. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But if you can minimize those cracks, that is when you make yourself as indispensable as you can be. Yeah. Nobody, mm-hmm. unfortunately, in this industry is indispensable. Yeah. And that includes promoters. Uh, yeah. But if you are well ingrained yeah. within teamwork. that- Teamwork, teamwork. It, it's it a dream work. Yeah. Mm-hmm. True <laughs> right. story. Yeah. Let's segment. 
Story time. So obviously each week we try and get our guests or one of us we can tell a funny story or something interesting, uh, valuable towards the DJ industry now. Obviously we've got a promoter in today, so Dave's going to shed some light on a story. Am I right in thinking this is probably um, ways not to act as a DJ? Yeah, this is crazy. Yes, this and, 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 and don't get me wrong, in, in no way, shape or form is this a reflection of the DJ industry and fraternity as a whole. This is an extreme example, but this is... To give you an example of the, of the absolute worst, worst um, type of behaviour that you do encounter sometimes from people, and this is mm. when ego gets ahead of people, which, is a, another, again, is another point before it's I great, get into it's it, it's, it's really important. You are you may be playing to 2,500 people, and you may be smashing it, and everybody yeah. might have their hands in their air when you play one of the big tracks, but that doesn't mean that you are above anybody else in no. any way, shape, or form. It means that you are part of a, a, an amazing thing, but it doesn't mean that you should treat people in a derogatory way or speak to them in a certain way. So the, to, to set the background, um, an individual who, we won't go into names or, or, or go into anything like that particularly, but uh, an individual who'd worked for us for quite a period of time but had become unworkable with, unfortunately, because he decided that his direction was was not the direction that we wanted the, the, the night to go in, etc. So unfortunately, we had to let him go. Um, at the time, it was, I think, pretty reasonable of us in the way that we did it. We gave notice. Uh, yep. We were very straightforward in the way that we did it. And we thought that we were pine on good terms. He managed to get a residency at another venue uh, or a, a venue. And I was passed on a screenshot of the way he behaved. Now, when you have a few beers, don't get me wrong, it, it does happen. But yep. I think what a lot of DJs need to remember is there's not many jobs in the world where you get to do something that you love, perform in front of loads of people Absolutely. and have a few beers while you're doing it. Absolutely. But find a level where you can still perform and where you can still act humanely and politely, etc. Yeah. And if you can't, don't do it. So this individual for a few weeks had been playing up, but had managed to get away with murder because he had an all right relationship with the manager. And then one night he overstepped the mark. And the only way, because I don't think it's particularly believable unless I actually read, and don't get me wrong, <laughs> he'd had way too many beers. So unfortunately the story doesn't read perfectly. But there I'm might be some. You. There might be some foul language. Yeah, in I do apologise well. for the for the effing and jeffing within this. But again, to give an idea of how it reads, I've got to read it pretty much straight as. So this is to the management group. So I was sent the screenshot after this was sent to the management group, and the message reads as follows: Right, I don't know what the crack is, but I took four beers from behind the bar, and someone said something. I don't actually want to be here, but I'm actually good at my job, so fucking deal with it. <laughs> Just give me the fucking beers I asked for. Jeez. Your Monday is fucked, and your Friday. <laughs> If you want to be confident that it's going to be fucked or continue, give me the fucking beers I asked for. Wow. If you like the fact I require beer, if you sorry, if you don't like the fact I require beer to make sure your nights are fun, I'll go elsewhere and work there. Second message. Basically, give me my beers or I'll fuck off elsewhere. The only reason you're busy tonight is because of the, I'll not tell you the university deal, <laughs> who I have the deal with um, to DJ for. I don't want some snotty Mickey Mouse bullshit about some dot, dot, dot. So... That story is, in, in my own mind, it's a, situation. It's, yeah, yeah, it's extreme <laughs> and it's not something that you will come across very often as a DJ Thankfully. in the way that you behave. Thankfully, yeah. Uh, but it's just an example of how really not to do things. And, and we were mm. chatting about it just before we came in. And burning your bridges is one thing that I say to everybody in, in, in any walk of life, but in, especially in this industry, which is so... Um, what would you call it? I was going to, incestuous is the wrong word, but you know, it's yeah, so close-knit. So close-knit, tight. Yeah. Everyone knows everyone. Yeah, yeah if things and, get out. And, yeah. and you will be wronged on a number of times as a DJ, as a promoter, yeah. or anything like that. But if you do, do it, come, come out of it gracefully. Like, don't get me wrong, I've had situations where I've been like, I want to do this, that and the other and I'm really pissed off about something but you just have to hold your hands up and go, okay, fine, no worries. And then actually, inadvertently, you end up patching things up with somebody two right. years later and you're all right with them mm -hmm. and you end up working together and, yeah. and yeah. I, I, 
there's one example of a, of a promoter I used to work for who, when I left him, uh, this was when I was at uni, when I left yeah. him, he decided that I was too much of a threat to his business. So decided rather than shake my hand and, and thank me for repairing the business, with not just me, but the guys who all left, mm. uh, he went to uh, the police and said that I'd stolen all his financial records, proposals, that. databases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my yeah. God. So on Mother's Day, I got locked up. So uh, oh, wow. I got locked, wow. yeah, I got locked up and I'll never forget it. But I, I don't know if I'm allowed to say it, but can I say the PC, the, the, the guy's name? The, not the actual guy's name, the, the police officer's name. I don't know. Um, I'd say police yeah. officer. Right, PC. Police but officer. He's, I remember the, the, the PC and then it was a four letter, four, four letters. I'll never forget it. But when he arrested me, he said, "Bloody hell, mate! Like, well, you're in a lot of trouble here. Like, you shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have done that." And I was like, "Honestly, I know everyone says this, but I genuinely didn't do this." Right. Anyway, after three bailings and um, a fair bit of legal wranglings and to and fro's, um, this PC said to me, "I'm really sorry. I got it wrong. That guy's an absolute twat. I hope you ruin his business." And, oh, brilliant. And, don't get me wrong, and I actually ended up working with that guy. Oh, really? Down the line. Yeah, I, I swallowed there my pride, and it was the better thing for the business to do, and yep. we ended up working right. together. And don't get me wrong, there was tension. Yeah. <laughs> but I was what I said, listen, you guys, you you guys have the communication with him. I'm not mm. going to, that, that's a, it's detrimental to the business, so I'll small, swallow my pride. But that, again, a really, really extreme example yes. of things that can happen. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the, 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 the phrase, never burn your bridges, applies so, so importantly to this industry. Yeah. It's, a, it's yeah. a massive thing. I 100% agree. I think it's it's one of those things, a lot of my repeat bookings when I was a working DJ would come from older contacts even that are yeah. still around, still mm-hmm. working. Yeah. That I just, yeah. I wasn't working for at the time, but all it was, all it was is a case of reaching out and suddenly yeah. then you find way more opportunities coming about yeah. because you've already got a contact sure. from years ago that is, is yeah. doing something that, that maybe need a new DJ. So, Absolutely. so many times. That was a great story. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so just jumping back into the conversation now, um, a lot of the questions a lot of beginner DJs ask is, you know, a lot of them will start, like you said, with these warm-up gigs or these these smaller gigs, initial, you know, initiation gigs in a way. Um, and a lot of DJs ask, well, should I be charging for these gigs? How much should I be charging? You know, when I go from being a warm-up DJ to playing for a full night and as a resident DJ, you know, how do I up my wage and things like that? So I know this is a very broad question because it just, it definitely does depend on yeah. location and country even um, and the type of gigs that you play. But what would you say is a bit of advice for those DJs coming in? Should they be charging for those warm up beginner sets? So what should, you know, what should they be asking? Should they be asking for, you know, taxi fare yeah. or more? What would Expenses. you say? Yeah, so it's a tricky question because it's all dependent on the on, on, on who you're approaching, how yeah. established they are, what sort of gig it is. Yeah, uh, so it, it, it all really depends. But I would say that I wouldn't be afraid as a DJ of offering you services for free. I don't think that uh, devalues you immediately. What it does yeah. is give you a foot up. And as long as you see it as that, that's fine. Now, don't get me wrong, there are un- unscrupul- unscrupulous promoters who will take advantage of this and try mm. and keep you playing for that. And I, I think the worry for a lot of um, up-and-coming DJs would be, if I set my stall out as I will play a set yeah. for free, I'll never be able to charge. Yeah, where'd you draw the line? Yeah. But actually, if you go in and smash it, then you've put yourself in people's eyeliner. I keep going back to that phrase, being in people's eyeliner. It's so, so key yeah. that you, when you first start there, you get yourself the opportunity in the first place. Now, it may, it may be that you, you, you've played at a house party. Like you said there, Joe LaBelle was, was, a, was a prime example where he started playing at house parties. Yeah. These house parties got bigger and bigger. Eventually, that was transferred into a club, so he got a gig. And then suddenly the promoter goes, oh, hold on a minute, this guy brings yeah. his own crowd with him. So yeah. Yeah. The, 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 there are different situations and different ways of, 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 of starting off. Now, 
I guess a, an honest conversation, I suppose, is it with the promoter again is, is the way to do it. So rather than steaming in being like, I know my worth, I'm really good, I'm mm-hmm. gonna I'm gonna demand X amount. I think sometimes if you then ask like you get the gig first within reason, and yep. then you would say, Listen, I, I know we haven't spoken about it yet, but could you know in terms of fee, I appreciate it's a new gig or it's this or it's that, and give yourself a bit of context to what right. you're going into. Because if you understand, if the promoter, for instance, if you were playing at you know off Saturday night project and you were coming in and playing a guest set, you know it's an established gig, you know there's no risk involved to the promoter because it's already established. Right. You mm-hmm. wouldn't go in and say, I'll, I'll, I'll play for free because I, I, I don't know how you're going to get on. But if it was a new night and you were like, look, I've yep. seen you starting a new night, I've seen that it's got potential, I really like the brand, I really like the concepts, yep. the music policy fits in just with me, mm-hmm. I want to be part of it, please can I play the gig, I'll play the warm-up for free, and then we'll see how it goes. That, in terms of the context, would be perfect. Yep. Um, if it was approaching a more established promoter, for instance, you might go to someone like, I don't know, someone who was running the parties, uh, you know, Set 120 or something like that. If you're a house DJ and you go to them and you say, listen, I've been playing at a few house parties. I've got a pretty good following. I could probably bring 30, 40 people with me. I'll play for free. But if you give me an allocation of tickets, I'll sell them to my friends. You'll see what I'm worth. That's You'll see advice. my value. Yeah. Uh, and you can go from there. And then again, the, the higher levels, unfortunately, a lot of that will then come from word of mouth or will come from social media presence. So it is all relative to what sort of, job slash gig you're approaching in the same way yep. that you know if you were going for a for a for a, for a basic you know a, an hourly job somewhere you would approach it definitely to if you yep. were going for a, a, a you know a marketing director's job or something yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. it's all relative to the way that you approach it. and i guess that's how you've got to see it. it is almost a job interview yeah um it's getting the job interview then performing at the job interview and then consistently performing as an em- an employee if you yeah, like the promoter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, i always think as well keeping that that conversation like you say both ways you can't ever just be like well i'm worth x amount of money and if it's anything less than that then i'm not touching it because i remember when i was working dj i think i had five different wages throughout the week i was working monday to saturday but no two wages were really the same because it all just came back to again how you know if you've got a tiny venue i might be playing somewhere on a tuesday that is a tiny venue and even though that company might be doing well that night doesn't necessarily generate much money money. so and and for me there wasn't really anything else that i'd enjoy doing on that night so you know you find that that balance and you find this is worth you know and going back to you know getting getting the foot in the door working for free i mean i was i did my first festival when one of my friends was DJing and I said do you want to come along and I, and I was I was kind of seven years deep I was an experienced DJ getting paid a good money but I went to my first festival for free and then yeah, subsequently same. I've done about another 10 15 yeah. all paid after that so mm-hmm. yeah and that's exactly that isn't it yeah. that, was, that was your foot in the door that you performed the there yeah. even though you've been DJing for a long period yeah. of time but that promoter then goes hold on a minute yeah and then promoters speak and that's the thing promoters yeah. do speak and if someone performs really well you're comfortable with who you know yeah yeah. Absolutely, and that, and that that then builds your network. It's it's a really important word networking. It, it it's 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 so key to your development as in, and just enjoyment of the actual job in itself. But in terms of getting there, uh, getting you the, the the positions that you can be to perform, it's no good being the best performer in the world if you can't perform to anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and in the same respect, it's no good getting these chances but being rubbish. Um, and so it works both ways. Without running the risk of all of your DJs now coming to you and asking for pay rises. Um, Give me a gig. Yeah, but I mean, what have you ever had in the past someone asking, you know, someone you've worked with, they're a resident for your, one of your nights, and it comes to a point where they want more money. Yeah. Um, and, and how does that conversation go? And are there things that are deciding factors like, well, actually, you deserve more money because of X, Y, and Z? Or, you know, what, what, is there anything that really stands out? Because obviously there will be a lot of listeners to this podcast as well that are working, resident DJs that maybe feel like they've been in a gig for a long ball. time and they've picked up loads of other gigs around them that now pay more money and they're still at this 
lower level in one yeah. of their residency gigs yeah. that they don't want to burn bridges with, but at the same time. Yeah. I suppose it's all, it, again, it goes back to being all relative. So if the promoters, like one of the things that we always complain about is that our door charge, we've been at £5 a ticket now for 10 years, maybe. Right. So if you look yeah. at the rate of inflation, you look at how prices have changed and everything yeah. else, that's, that's not changed. And, and you know, that, there's a there's a... There's a t there's two sides to look at it, which is that if you are in a job, if you're in another job, for instance, you would always look at getting an annual pay rise or whatever right. like that. But the one thing I do say to, to DJs is that your hourly rates, like, don't get me wrong, I appreciate that the, the, the period of time that you DJ for it. is a bit smaller. So if you, you're not doing a nine to five, but the hourly rate is, is, is pretty decent. And I think if you approach it in a, in a reasonable manner, and I always say, never be afraid to ask because the worst mm. that someone will say is no, no as long as you yeah. do it in the right way and you don't threaten or you don't whatever. If you go to them and say, listen, I've been with you for a period of time. I really enjoyed the gig. I want to stay with you, but you're now charging six pounds instead of five pounds. Your gig is way, way busier than it was. I'm not asking for a huge amount, but yeah. is there any way we could look at a slight rise? Mm. I think going in there and being like, I want this, I want that is, is, is not, not necessarily the, the right way to do it. Yeah. And, and I always say back to people, I'm like, if you were, I don't know, for instance, you've been getting the same taxi to, to town for a period of time to do your gig and the price of petrol hadn't changed mm. and the, the minimum wage hadn't changed or whatever else. And then the taxi driver just suddenly said all right pal it's it's three pound more today or three yeah. three dollars more or whatever it yeah, be yeah. you'd be like how come why yeah like you're you're still doing the same journey you're still doing the same thing you're still doing it for the same amount of time right. where's your justification or oh, yep. well, fuel's gone up or whatever so if there's mm. a justification for it then fine you can always look at it and i've given some pay rises when people have asked for it and then other times i've said no this is the reason why yep. uh, but again i think it's up to the, the the two individuals to be adults about it i don't take insult to, to being asked for one as long as it's done in the right way Absolutely. but in the same respect I wouldn't expect someone to then kick up a, a massive stink if I give them a fair reason why not and yeah. I think yeah, yeah. again it comes back yeah. to that relationship type yeah, thing yeah. And, and, and money is the bane of all evil it's 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 a difficult thing to talk it, about yeah, and, it, is, yeah. and, and yeah. It, it is really really hard to find the perfect way to make an approach about something like that whether mm. it be you know a, 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 a 20 pound pay rise or a 200 pound pay rise but it does happen, and 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 I think one of the things at certain levels as well is is is, is to be aware that the price level, uh, the price level of your of your gigs will then be reflective probably of the amount that you get booked. Yeah. And I think when you're first starting out, obviously you just want to play as many times as possible, and you want to play lots of gigs, and then you get to a point where you're like, oh, could I squeeze it? So I took a jump in pay, but then maybe don't play as many gigs because you become right. more weekend based and a more one-off base. And, and it really depends what you want to achieve. There's plenty of money to be made out of weekly residences, but there's also good money to be made out of, out of, out of one-off shows. And I think I'm you know, yeah, sat in a room with guys who are probably testament to that. Um, well, I mean, that leads on to another question really yeah. was how would you view, I've just got, I've got one written down here because Lars, obviously um, you have gone, you've done resident DJ gigs right. and you've done guest DJ yeah. gigs and you are still kind of doing both. Absolutely. Um, and, and, and you're in between those. So, from a promoter's point of view, like in your opinion, how should a guest DJ differ from a resident DJ and should the, the set be approached in a different way? Would you want something more out of that guest DJ than you would out of the resident DJ and, and how would you go about adding guests to your lineups? Yeah, I guess the 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 the, the res uh, sorry the the guest DJ has to add value in some way, shape, right. or form. Whether that be performance based or whether it be uh, numbers based or increasing your ticket price, there has to be a reason a to reason book behind them. it. Yeah, hundred um, percent. So uh, the uh, I guess within all of that, the, the the really important thing is that that DJ does give you added value. I think yeah. that would yeah. be a way of putting it. So if you're expecting to get paid more than a residence rate, there has to be a reason for that. So mm. whether that be 
the extra selling of tickets, whether it be the social media presence you get out of it, whether it be that they have an amazing videographer that follows them around and gives them really right. good coverage, whatever it be, you, you've got to, you, you can't just say to someone, you should book me because I'm good. It doesn't work yeah. like that. You, yeah, they've yeah. got to have. What can I do for you? Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. And, and that's not, and again, that's, that's not overselling yourself. That's yeah. just making your, or your ability clear on what you can do for that person. And it's the same as, as any, any career really. Yeah. Um, if you, if you are, if you're a valuable asset and you add value to that promoter or that event or whatever it be, then your your your, your chances of repeat bookings, your chances of adding value. And I've, I've watched it. You know, James Hype is a, is a prime yeah. example. The first time he played for us, I can't remember how much it was off the top of my head, but the, not as much second, as now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Christ, oh my, it makes my eyes water. Probably like a couple, but, couple hundred, yeah, couple of hundred pounds. It, it, yeah, it was, it, it was a resi in in, yeah. in, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a in probably a student club night, and he wouldn't mind mm. wouldn't mind us saying that. And now. His performance levels, his coverage, his his collaborations with people like Craig David—they've all added this extra value, and you know what you're yeah. going to get out of him. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, can you tell us over the years like some of the biggest acts you've had, and have you got any like cool ones where you had a beer with like somebody massive or something yeah. like? Can you name a few? We had we had we had a bar about I don't know how many years ago, maybe seven years ago, and um, David was the promotions manager. Was like, he won't mind me doing it. He's like, hey, you've got to book this, but you've got to book this, <laughs> this this girl, right? She's she's awesome. And they're like, oh, who is it? Hannah wants, yeah. right? And I was like, oh, I have no idea who that is. No, yeah. no, 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 book her, book her. She, she'll be able to be cheap. Anyway, Hannah wants played and it wasn't particularly busy, but it, 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 it went, as the phrase goes, it went off. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, yeah, she's headlining festivals five, yeah. six years yeah. later and, and you know, was, has, has gone from, from you know, kind of ground level DJ to, to doing amazing things. Um, and, you know, we've had, you know, MK, I think, was probably one of my favourite ever gigs. He played at the O2 for us wow. in Leeds. And, yeah, Christoph played before him. I pulled rank and decided that I was going to do a guest slot as well before yeah. Christoph. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I saw my crowd in glory, and I still haven't forgiven Pete, the, uh, the tech manager, for the uh, misfiring of the pyrotechnics oh, at the start of my first no. drop. First drop? First oh, drop, mate. I was like, no this way. is my big moment. And then it just went <laughs> like oh, that, man. and nothing happened. Oh, so... No uh, yeah, that's uh, that stayed with me to this day. But um, <laughs> but yeah, that that MK gig was great, and he played at an after party, which unfortunately got shut down by the police quite early on. And it's it, it's uh, it's start, but that was probably one of my f- all time favourite gigs. Uh, but we, we, we no, don't get me wrong, we're not we're nowhere near the level of people like the Warehouse Project and yeah. Yeah. Link Club guys and stuff like that. Um, my brother did some really cool stuff with Technical with the Thursday bookings with mm-hmm. you know Maceo Plex and Danny Days cool. and Eats Everything and really Hiding nice. stuff like that. So. Some really cool stuff there, but that was never my bread and butter. I wasn't cool enough to do those sort of parties. So he, he yeah. did those ones and I did the student. I nights. think a lot of them anyway, that when it becomes to that kind of guest DJ, you're looking at artists um, yes. and people yeah. that produce music. They're not just DJs. There right. is a, there's, a, there's a thing at the moment where there's a lot of DJs that are able to do guest sets off the back of building a brand using mm-hmm. social media and all sorts. Yeah. Um, and, and it's kind of a new thing to the industry in the last year or so, I'd say it's, it's becoming something um, yeah. and it's probably still going to grow even bigger um but we'll we'll see how that how that pans out i mean have you booked anyone who you would say is like a, a social media presence and someone that doesn't produce their own music but is 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 big in in, um, in their own dj brand yeah um, probably not recently uh, yeah. and that's not to say that we wouldn't yeah uh, we, we just haven't I, I mean one thing that i would say and this this really kind of stands the the residents in good stead is that booking djs now unfortunately it's it's the the, the industry sh- as it shrinks or becomes more difficult mm. and prices of djs goes up and up and up for the headliners if you like yeah. it becomes less viable for promoters to book them so especially when you have a ticket price of sort of 5 pounds like we do so yeah. actually now what we're finding is investment in in production um right. and in entertainment so whether it be um, a percussionist a guitarist a violinist mm-hmm. dancers 
an aerial artist and stuff like that actually probably gives you more consistency in your product. And yeah, yeah. where the DJ fits in with that is that they need to then deliver the right music. So yeah. uh, pretty much a, a resident DJ, unless somebody's pr producing tracks that nobody can get hold of, a resident DJ can play pretty much any of the music that a big headliner would play. It's just mm -hmm. how they perform and how yeah. they dress yeah. it and what they bring with it. Yeah. Um, so DJs now have a real opportunity to now to become part of this I don't know. Show, kind of show. They're getting, they're getting the, uh, the benefit back from you guys. But it's yeah. going to look amazing. They can get some great content out of it. Yep. If there's, yep. you know, pyros going off and things well, like yeah, that. Yeah, you'll see in that project. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Danny's project got video. Danny looks pretty good. DJing up there. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's good, and, and and I think that's the thing that it, you don't have to be a big name to play at good gigs. No, I think that no. would be I, that really key thing. Like I think people would probably be under the false pretense that they'll never get to a point where they get to play to two thousand people yeah. on a Saturday night unless they are this big superstar. Whereas actually, when you work with promoters who run parties that are weekly or one-offs and aren't about the name, and I think Elro has gone a massive way towards mm -hmm. removing that stigma where if the headliners aren't good enough, then yeah. people are like, "Oh, I'm not going to go to that." They've created yeah. a brand that people want to go to yeah. without actually knowing who's playing. Yeah. So their pre-releases will sell out before they've actually released their lineup, and I think that's huge. So, I, I like you know, over the over recent years, I've never known kind of more kind of like headline event shows go on. It's like a week-to-week -week basis. You used, to, you used to have like one headliner in town like a month, wouldn't you? Mm. You found now in your weekly students, that's that's detracting away from kind of the weekly business of yeah. nightclubs because of the huge events going on every yeah, weekend. A little bit, yeah. I mean, uh, you, Manchester is one of the places where it's really tricky. The Warehouse Project guys there do unbelievable stuff and off the back of that have these exclusive contracts with DJs. So it makes yeah. it really difficult to showcase that level of talent over there. But that said, weekly club shows, I still think there's a market for them. Yeah. And, and don't get me wrong, I, this is one of the analogies I use all the time, unfortunately, that we find that 21, 22-year-olds now are like, oh, I don't go, to even, uh, go, don't go there anymore now. It's full of kids. Right, yeah. would rather go to yeah, the botanist so where they can, times. and the botanists do amazing cocktails, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> yeah. they'd rather go there and boomerang their dry ice cocktails and fires <laughs> out and everything. And that, that goes so on their social true. media platform. And, mm. so and, 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 and Instagrammable moments, this is one of yeah. our key phrases. What you need to create is Instagrammable moments, whether that is in your service of your drink, yeah. whether it's your weekly club show or whatever it is. Yeah, People yeah, want yeah. to put stuff on their social media. That's their identity. So yeah. what the club nights that they go to are very much um, a reflection of them as a person mm. and their social media um, sort of persona, if you like. So it, that that also then goes for DJs. Mm. And, mm. and going back to, I think we said it much, much earlier on, being humble is, is, is a really big thing. So, you know, when you're thinking about if you get, the, you know, you, you're privileged to pay a party to 2,000 people rather than saying, I'm this and I'm that. Yeah. I like, loved playing at this party, really enjoyed it. And actually making people want to identify with you. Mm -hmm. I think people in, in this day and age now, it's so easy to be negative and say bad things about people. And that goes DJs, promoters, events, brands, etc. And I think if someone actually shows that they're really enjoying being involved in something and they're humble and they are very, very much bought into whatever they're doing, mm -hmm. the yeah. DJing and people see that passion, mm -hmm. I think that counts for a lot. And I think that makes it easier to build, if you want to call it a fan base, if you like. Yep. So if someone, when you go to a party and the DJ's there and you're dancing at the front and they recognise your face and they shake your hand, immediately you have that affinity to yeah. them. Mm. And Absolutely. chances are, if they send you a, a, an invite to something on social media or you see something that they're putting up, you'd be like, I'm going to go to that party. Whereas if you're stood at the front and a DJ's there with his head looking at the decks, concentrating... <laughs> and looking like they don't want to be there, yep. miserable, and then they walk off without even acknowledging the crowd, mm. you'd be like, even if they played the best music you've ever heard, you yeah. would still not really buy into their, them yeah. as a person or a brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that's really important to acknowledge the crowd and be positive and be really, really kind of warm to people. I think that's, mm. people, people want to be 
um, accepted. They want to be acknowledged. They want to be as part of the crowd. And I think that's a really big thing. I saw MK do it at the end of his set when he played for us at the O2. And he went down to the crowd afterwards and was sharing drinks with people. The bloody drinks rider went straight down the front row's mouth. And I was like, that was two bottles of LPR. (laughs) (laughs) His agent's like, get us another one. I'm like, that's that's a really important takeaway though, because I think, you know, people just naturally assume that when you get to a certain level, people just stop talking to people and interacting because you yeah. don't have to talk yeah, yeah. to anybody. But, you know, for somebody like that big MK to still get involved with the fans and go and talk to them, take photos yeah. and things like that, yeah. it just shows you, doesn't it? Like the attitude thing, just, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah. Acknowledging that people have paid money to come yeah. and see you. And, and that goes from any level. If you're the warm-up DJ, if someone has paid £5 or even a pound or if they've got him free or whatever, if they are there to see you, you should acknowledge that and you should be happy that they're there and I think mm. that's they're what, there for a good night at the end of yeah, the day and absolutely. you're part of that good night experience so. absolutely and, and looking like and this well, I haven't really touched on this but as you're you are the most visual point in any in any club room the majority yeah. of the time uh, they, they people dance looking at you don't they, they do. like, they subconsciously the yeah. subconsciously it's not so, purposely yeah. but you dance to look facing yeah. the DJ yeah. Yeah, yeah totally and if you look like you are having a, and, and Fisher we, t- we said this earlier Fisher on his social media and when he's performing looks like he's having the, the best, best time, time of his life. anybody there. Right. Yeah. Whereas you'll look at other DJs, like I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say any, anyone's name out loud, yeah. but you watch other DJs who play really good music, but they just look like they don't want to be there. They don't look up. And I know sometimes they're more technically yeah. minded, so they've got more going on. But acknowledge your crowd and look mm. at them. And that eye contact is massive. If, if someone looks at you and you're all raving, they smile at you, you give them a thumbs up or whatever yeah. it be, that will stick with you probably forever. Mm. Whereas yeah. if you're stood there at the front row and there's there's, there's just no enjoyment yeah. on the, from the stage, that energy doesn't transfer we, to the crowd. We brought something up a couple of weeks ago with the one about taking requests. And there's you know some DJs out there, it's just like, you know, they'll... they'll I'll take the mickey on social media about taking requests and it's like that is like one of the most important fundamental things because that's how you know what, what they want to hear it might be rubbish you might not want to play it yeah, yeah, but yeah. having that engagement don't just you know yeah, yeah, yeah. turn them away yeah, you know, totally. have that engagement yeah. yeah totally well I think there's been so much value that yeah, they've come through these so microphones good. today and um, Dave you've just provided such such no insight into the it's industry brilliant. Um, I mean you've covered so much is there any one one thing that you would say to any up and coming DJs out there one piece of advice that, that you'd want to reiterate, because yeah. I think you've covered everything pretty much, yeah, but yeah. anything you'd reiterate. It's not one specific point, but I think stick with it, um, practice and be good. Because yeah. yeah. you've got to be good at your trade. And, and, and if you can go to a promoter and say, I can do a good job for you and you do a good job, that makes such a difference. Yeah. And be nice, be nice to people, whether it be promoters, whether it be your crowd, whether it be the managers that you work with or whatever else, just be sound because sound people the majority of the time go further than dickheads. Yeah. yeah. No, well, no, no, no. I think we should leave it as that. that. I think that should be the, the perfect be way. That is, my, that is my golden nugget. Yeah. yeah. No. There we go. Um, if you're listening or watching, please drop comments in, in the YouTube video below with your experiences working with promoters and any stories you've got about, you know, how you've grown in the DJ industry and maybe pass that knowledge on to other people that are watching this podcast on YouTube. And if you're listening, then remember to rate us on the Apple podcasts and follow us on Spotify and all of those things. So you can keep listening to all of this value and information. Thank you to our new mascot. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yes. I think I think I had a little nap there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You're still napping. Dog's dog got cuddled to death. Yeah, one more time. A huge, so huge much, nice thank you. Anytime. Thanks a lot. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully have you in again, maybe next year. See if anything's changed. Be a pleasure. Yeah, love cool. to.